The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up in our very humble opinion. I am... Wait, I've written down who I am, and I've forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) You need notes for that. I need notes for that. I am Giles Alderson. I'm the co-writer and director of the Dare feature film and producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. I'm joined today by Andrew Roger. Now, Andrew is a cinematographer of The Dare, To Dream and Borderline, which is on TV. Hello, Andrew. Hey, man. How's it going? Do you know what? It's not bad. Um, Good. Hello. Wait, what? Who's that? <laughs> Whatever, Dan. <laughs> Introduced. So, what, what, what's coming up, Andy, that we can see your work in? So, I've got Series 2 of Borderline coming out in the next few weeks. Woohoo! Uh, I think this month or next month on Channel 5, um, and I think Comedy Central could be wrong Ooh. and well, yeah. amazing oh, something else something. oh yeah and i've got um a random axe coming up uh with david elms directed by david elms with um laura marling and mm. tim key there's a nice little thing we shot oh i like Tim. yeah key. he's very good yeah, he's, he's a good lad <laughs> and joining us is dan richardson he's an actor from retribution and disney's the lodge hello dan how are you hello I'm great. How are you? Yeah, you also in High Slight of Day as well. We'll drop that in. Um, you were in that. <clears throat> That's how I know you. It's probably my best ever performance. I, it was one of the one of the best ones. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> First of all, we've got to do a shout out to Jason Sanderson. Um, now, he's been my podcast guru. He's really helped get the, this sort of podcast up and running. So I want to do a shout out to him. Thank you very much. He's also a composer. So do check out his work at the silverscoringcollective.com and you'll get in touch with him if you need something composed. There you go. Last week's episode was with Mark Sanger, Oscar winning Mark Sanger, uh, talking editing, talking about gravity, winning an Oscar, working with the legend that is Michael Bay and how amazing Michael Bay is. Who would have thought? Apparently Michael Bay is amazing. Um, do listen to that podcast that's on last week. Do click to that after this one. Uh, and, and Andy, SeatGeese Festival, World of Darkness, 6th of October in Spain. World of Darkness is playing at the SeatGeese Festival. How exciting is Great. that? I know. It's a documentary me and Andy made. Congratulations, boys. Yeah, I co-directed it with Kevin Lee, who's heading over there. So yeah, if you want to watch that, go to the festival there, and then it will be out, I think, the week after that in Spain for a month. So that's pretty exciting before it comes back to the UK and Netflix and stuff and people are talking about. So I don't know the full ins and outs, but we'll find out soon enough. (laughs) Today, I thought we'd talk to Dan about his career, about acting, about producing, about being a, a an animal conservationist. Um, what do you think about that? What, what me? Well, yeah, I've got. I've only got like four or five minutes, so <laughs> that's all we need. <laughs> oh, that, now that that my friends is called leading with the chin in boxing world. Were you a boxer? No. All right. 
Good. I- I'm also not a boxer. <laughs> what about you, Giles? I just wanted to be sure. I was, I Giles was, was a champion taekwondoer. I was. I, mean, I was oh, international. Well, not well. An international gold medalist about seven years ago. You'll always be that. Well, probably someone else took it over the next year. I was too scared to do it again. But you always were that. I was that. I mean, I wouldn't want to get into a ruck with you. I'm, no, thank you. Andy, have, have you ever done any kind of fighting? <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm a very um, peaceful man. I would never have a fight with anyone. Good You're, man. Yeah, good man. Lover, not a fighter. Mm. Pacifists, all of us. Yeah. Uh, Dan, how did you first start in the business? Because I met you, I think we were doing a, an O2 commercial that Pink was in. Yes. That's how yes. I met you. That's the first time I met you. And we were in the... T-Mobile. Uh, oh, was it T-Mobile? Oh, one of these big, giant places that aren't sponsoring our show. Yeah. Um, and you were, you were, me and you met there, didn't we? We messed around for the day. We got paid bugger all, I remember. Yeah, we did, but we'd, we only briefly met on that day. And oh, so it meant, meant and more to me than... And then subsequently met on, our, on the harsh light of the day, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I barely remember you, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember it very well. I wrote it in my diary. And then weird, weird day. And we met on the train on the way down to the Hush Light Day audition for you. Correct. At London Bridge Station. I remember it well. And uh, and I remember saying that. So I remembered you enough to say to you on the platform, are you by any chance going to the audition? And you, you said, yeah, I've already got the job for, <laughs> for a role. And I'm reading in with the people who are auditioning today, which, of course, was me, among others. So I'd, got, I'd been in the business for about... I guess about two, three years at that point. So I was thrilled to bits to get that role because that was my first lead role in a feature film. But um, to answer your question, how I got into it, I was when I was a, a normal person working normal jobs, I lived for a little <laughs> while in Vancouver in Canada and I had lots of spare time because the job was kind of easy. And I decided to do something constructive with my time. And I'd never, and I was 34, 35 years old at the time already. So wow. I really got into this late. I just, I'd ne- people have subsequently asked me, you know, did you always want to be an actor? And, you know, why did you leave it so late? And if I had have always thought about it, I'd have done it long ago. And I'd, I'd never done it because it never occurred to me. But I just thought, you know what, what can I do with my time while I've got such so much spare time in Vancouver? I can, you know, do something that, something constructive, but something that I could turn into a career if I wanted to do, to change. And, I, and then I thought, I've always loved movies. Let's give acting a try. And loads of, Hollywood movies are shot in Vancouver, so you often see the film trucks and the you know the, big, the sets and stuff. So it kind of got in my mind, and I thought, let's give it a try. And I can tell you right now that within the first couple of minutes of my ev- first ever lesson, I knew I was going to become an actor. I knew it was what I was supposed to do. Wow! What happened? What What was so special about that first lesson? Well, can I plug? I'm going to plug the school. I believe the school has merged subsequently with another. So, this, so the name is different now, but it was at the time School Creative in Vancouver. And Kirsten Clarkson, who ran the school, was teaching me. I went in on a Saturday afternoon for a class. It was the first time I'd ever been to an acting class. And it was me at 35 and a bunch of 17, 18 year olds. And they said, Right, who wants to go first? Kirsten said, Who wants to go first? And I immediately put my hand up. And she said, Great, okay, we're all going to die today. And um, you're going first. How would you like to die? And I said, um, s- s- get stabbed. Wow. Yeah. She said, okay, fine. And she had a camera on a tripod. Yeah. And she said to me, go stand over there. As you do. And she went, hit, hit record and went, action. So I had to pretend to be. And I thought, you either, at this point, this is one of those crossroads in, in life where you either 
you either commit and you go at it 100% and mm-hmm. you drop the self-consciousness and you don't worry about looking stupid in front of these people who are probably going to snigger at you and whatever. I'm here to I'm here to take this seriously. So I did it and um and I probably I probably died a little slower than your average stabbing victim. And anyway, she said she said okay, great. Thank you very much up you get. And, and, I, and she said okay so she said and this is this is the moment that it happened she said have you got any brothers or sisters I said yeah I have a brother she said okay I want you to do the same thing again only this time it was your brother that stabbed you wow okay. and I was like oh that's how this works and I added a whole bunch of layers to it and I just got such a buzz from it I got completely goosebumps and thought my god yeah. because what I it sounds so naive saying this um, you know, looking back, but I had no, I had nothing creative about me. I didn't do anything creative. I, I never played music. I don't sing, draw, paint, nothing. And I, I hadn't, I'd gone through that much of my life up to the age of 35 without having realized how much creativity gives you this, this immense pleasure. And, but I'd ne- anything I tried that was creative, I wasn't very good at. So to suddenly find this thing that I thought, actually, I, I can do this. And I enjoy it, and I get a real buzz from it. I just thought, right, this is it. This is what I want to do. And and the, and the, you know, it kind of comes down to it, the fact that I think we're creative beings. I mean, that's what we are. We're human beings are creative beings. We we create our reality. That's a whole different podcast. But I just yeah. think we are creative beings, and that the, the creative expression of some kind is a hugely rewarding, fulfilling, satisfying thing. And so I suddenly found this thing, and I t- and I can tell you right now, on that very day in that moment in that acting class I thought well, I didn't think I knew I'm going to become an actor this is what I'm going to do I can't believe that there's a job that exists that would be doing this and people would pay me for it yeah you get paid to do that that's it's, yeah. it's quite special it's it's nice those little moments isn't it where something clicks and you think yeah, yeah I want to do this as a career same when when yeah. I wanted to be a director that moment of like thrown into it when we we're making Barry Brown it was like Oh gosh! All right, I'll I'll just direct this, and then doing it, it was just like, what? I can get paid for doing this? And I thought acting yeah. was good, but then suddenly directing took over, and it was like, this is so much better, <laughs> so much better. Andy, you had the same sort of thing, didn't you? When I used to be an actor, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You have these little moments, and and they set you up for life, don't they? Sometimes these little epiphanies, and yeah, totally changes yeah. the course of your life. It it puts you on a new path. It does. How did you go from, all right, wow, I want to be an actor to actually being an actor? Because that leap is huge. It's not like, oh, okay, I'll just go do it. I just suddenly someone's going to pay me. You've got no experience. You've just done an acting class. You know, how did it happen? Well, I have to say, I'm not wishing to disagree with you. You're right. I mean, it is a huge leap. But I think that the biggest barrier to to that and to anything, of course, in life is is our mind. Mm. And if we believe that something is going to be really challenging then we're probably right you know it's like that i think it was henry ford that said whether you think you can or you can't either way you're right and i really that really resonated with me and i and i i think i was really lucky because i got into acting at such a point in my life that i'd already li- i'd lived half a life you know I'd, I'd i'd gained all that experience and and among the other things that that gave me was this grounding in life that and and a, and a and i had a mentality of you can achieve whatever you want to achieve if you set your mind to it and yeah. and you take positive steps towards it. And uh, so I kind of went into it with a, with a very positive mindset, which of course, as you guys well know in the business, there are a lot of people who are not, not that they're negative, but they're, 
they doubt their own their own ability or they doubt how far they can get even with their own ability yeah you hang around with those people too much and you also start to feel the yeah. same way you have to hang around with people yeah. who are positive and are making things and everything's it, yeah. it is good hang around with people who are complaining and moaning all the time about stuff it's yeah it's it's negative on your life definitely and i mean it's a bit of a cliche isn't it because it's even a you know it, it's true of, it's true in in most walks of life but it's 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 a cliche in acting in the world of acting because even people who aren't in acting when you tell them you're an actor they go oh it's a tough business isn't it <laughs> oh it's a tough old business yes oh how, how do you make ends meet mm-hmm. oh, just work do about three three days work a year you <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you've but, had it easy is, hang on a minute three days <laughs> you're right well, you know you get a couple of commercial yeah. gigs and um but anyway it's it's just what I what I thought was really really beneficial to me was the fact that I got into it one hundred percent because of the fact that I'd found something I was truly passionate about. Mm. It wasn't because I thought I want to be rich and famous. It wasn't because I wanted to, you know, to to be you know the, the next big superstar and have droves of bands. I, I I'd found something that I enjoyed and pu- and truly loved and was passionate about to such an extent that I and I mean I mean what I said a few moments ago that I could not believe somebody would pay me for that yeah it was like being told you're a kid and you here's a playground and a sand pit and loads of toys go play with that a lot and we'll throw a load of money your way yeah oh sweet it's, it's incredible yeah really incredible so how how did you get your first job how did you go about getting your first agent how did that work well so this is where i can't i can't not i can't not credit the universe in the way that i believe that it works because what happened was i did nine months of evening classes and then i suddenly reached a point where i thought Right, I'm ready. I want to go out there and see what happens. And I and that same week, I just did that positive intention thing that some people have heard about, and some people probably don't buy into it, and that's fine because you're on your own path. But for me personally, I was on this path where I felt like if I put a positive intention out there and I take deliberate, purposeful steps towards that in one way or another, mm. the universe will conspire in my favour. Right, great. The extent to which it did that blew my mind because all I did and I can tell you right now I can remember the day it was a Tuesday and I and I I wrote down in the present tense I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm a working actor and that next day or the day after I got a phone call from a guy who 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 had previously been in the same acting class as me Mm -hmm. and said to me oh um, we're doing a theatre production and we've just lost one of our cast do you want to audition for the role you'd be perfect so that was the first audition I'd ever had any knowledge of or, or access to or, or been invited to. I'd never applied for an audition. I'd never been to one. I didn't have any headshots. I didn't have any experience apart from my acting classes. Okay. And I didn't even know where I'd go. You know, like here in the UK, we've got Casting Call Pro or you've got Star Now. Yeah, in Mandy the, in, in or whatever. Canada, yeah. there's, there's the Vancouver Actors Guide. And there's whatever, yeah, Mandy.com. I didn't even know where I'd go. And that just came my way in the space of 24, 48 hours after writing down I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm a Amazing. working actor. Amazing. And how was it working with for you for the first time working with directors? Because it's obviously very different on theatre to working mm. on film. It's a, it's a totally different medium. And, you know, theatre can be a lot bigger. It can You've got to play to the rafters sometimes, even though I imagine the theatres you were doing at the time were quite small. Um, tiny. Yeah. yeah. Tiny and, but then you're still film is even, it's like though that audience is right in your face. So you've got to bring it even down to that level um how did you find the differences there and work and working with film crew as well how was that for you i've been very fortunate i've never had a bad experience 
on any film I've done, whether it's whether it's you know a, a, an absolutely zero budget student film or a or a Disney TV series, it's and everything in between. It's all it's all been fantastic, and there's always something something great to gain from it and to learn from it. And I've that's what I've always I, I think one of the main things that I've experienced across the board is that. I'm mostly surrounded by other passionate people, people who are passionate about what they're doing, whether that's because it's the stills photographer or whether it's the director or the producer or other actors. Mm. And, and I wanted to go into sponge mode. When I first started, I wanted to know everything. When you hear people talking about, oh, you, know, you can check the sharps. And, yeah, you're like, what, like does what does that mean? mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'd ask. I wouldn't just I – wouldn't, I wasn't embarrassed. I didn't mind sticking my hand up and saying, I don't know what that means. To me, there is no stupid question because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, so I just would – would absorb as much information as I possibly could. And actually that's how I got into photography because ah. I started to be, get really fascinated by from the, on the DOP side of it, you know, composition and lighting and all these different, um, elements, elements, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The disciplines across, I was interested across the board. I think it's one of those things again, that you, it can be a very valuable asset as an actor. If you understand why each of the various elements or disciplines are asking you to do a certain thing pretty soon, you're actually able to preempt it and help them out. To help them do their job better and absolutely you know, cheat the, an angle or whatever. It yeah, may be. yeah. The more you know, the more you can do that. And sharps means yeah. obviously getting it in focus. So get making sure the actor is in focus. So yeah, and as soon as you know those things, you can make sure you you hit your mark. So you, then you you moved on to uh, working on Harsh Light, where we met on the train. Um, yeah, and suddenly you, you you're playing the lead in in quite a big vampire movie. As as much as it was low budget, we've talked about this before, but. You're the lead in this movie. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Talk about the universe helping you out. I'd been in Costa Rica for two months, surfing and working at an animal sanctuary. Amazing. And I yeah. got home. Yeah. And I got I got onto my email and after and I had about six hundred emails and one of them was from Emma Biggins, mm-hmm. who was the producer of the Harsh Light Day, whose whose email was inviting me to audition. Little did I know, in the time that I'd been away, they'd been auditioning for the role, mm-hmm. and they'd gone through a huge number of of actors and a huge number of auditions. They just couldn't find anybody that they thought was right for the role. Andrew Lincoln was, uh, apparently going to play the role, right? You yeah. Know, from- well, now of, um, what's it called? Walking dead. He, um, and at the time, I mean, even then at the time he was, he'd already done love. Actually, he'd done some big movies. Mm-hmm. He was by no means a small name, but the, and that was to my great advantage because what actually happened was they had a letter of intent from him to play the role. Yeah. But it, what you know, his agent was asking for was, for, for, in terms of a fee, was about ten times the entire budget of the movie, yes. and that's not because Andrew Lincoln was being unreasonable; he was worth that. But it was because it was an incredibly what well, we talked about budgets before. It was it's what would have been referred to as a zero budget film. Yeah, you know, it had it had next to no budget at all, so he, they couldn't afford him, and that's great for me because I was still this guy who was learning his craft and and they could afford me very much so. And so (laughs) yeah, I was prepared to accept nothing and, Mm. um, and you got it fine and I got nothing. And, um, in fact, I spent some money on it, but it was, yeah, it was, Uh, (laughs) um, but it was, my God, it was worth it because it was, um, as you say, my first lead role in a feature film, couldn't believe I had, landed the role when I got it. And it was just such a great script as you remember. I mean, it was, Written by and, and directed by Oliver Milburn, who's just he took to it um, so well, you know, and he he took to it well. He, he's made a really beautiful film, and I think the the main thing you took away from that was you met me. Um, you know, we yeah. beat around the yeah. bush about all this, and but you got yeah. to meet me, and in turn you got to meet Andy. So 
Yeah, and and that led so not all good, that but... I know at the time to to doing the filmmakers <laughs> podcast. There you it's go. Easy to join the dots backwards, and this is why I'm saying he has to be positive. Because <laughs> even when horrible, terrible things happen, like you end up doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can <laughs> you can hope that it might lead. Someone might hear this and go, "Oh, yeah, uh, he'd be good as an accountant." It's true. You, Something. You, I don't know if you would though. Um, yeah, yeah. You ended up doing a podcast, number two podcast on TV and film. So in uh, in iTunes, in iTunes chart. So yeah. yeah. Just, just saying. Just saying. Drop if that you, in. Anyone, for anyone listening, um, tell your friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Try and guess Goodbye. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, harsh light was great, and it did. You know how it is in in acting. The the more the higher profile the thing you work in, the more currency it is for you in the sense that more people can see it and more people can think you're right. Or at the very least, you've got more showreel material that you can put forward for the next thing and be taken that a little bit more seriously. Yes. And, it, and the production values, you know, are hopefully increasing, going in the right direction. And you and, and it just shows you in better and better light, literally. And literally. You, you get better work because of it. Yeah. Um, and that film's available, by the way. You can go see it, see Dan's work. You can see my work as well. Like I say, it's probably my best work as an actor, um, you know. As it is, but Dan's oh. Dan's amazing in it, and it's it's really worth seeing. It's a really cool little low budget film, yeah. Andy, have you seen it? No, I haven't. I think I've oh, seen the trailer, but um, a bit rude. I know. Quite busy. Got other things to do. <laughs> he, he, he is <laughs> yeah. busy. You are busy. What? Well, um, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, true. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'd love to have seen it, but I was doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. No, really, listen. I mean, the thing is, I didn't know a, you then, a, Andy. Either. No, today. I think you did. No. no. No, so that I so didn't that's know you why. either. Yeah, that's why. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I, can I just ha- can I just say I have to say, Giles, <laughs> um, your performance Please. in that was fantastic, and it, and in, you'll see. And as like I uh, say, my reviews, best performance. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was uh, your best performance, and this isn't. By, this is not to say that that performance wasn't good. It's to say that you've done other fantastic performances. Well, that's very kind uh, of you. I don't mind fantastic. anymore. I think the thing I is, th- once you moved into the sort of directing side of things, I'm okay with, before it used to really bother me about uh, reviews or about how my performance was. And I think, it, mm. do you know, it, if anything, being a director is maybe a better, better actor because I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not as, like you said before, as desperate as trying yeah. to please or trying to make it right. Uh, you know, it's. And that's huge. It's huge. It is. It's huge. So it takes the weight off, you know, it takes all the pressure off and you give the performance instead of, being nervous yeah or instead of acting um yeah but obviously what it has done by being an actor is help me direct actors help me really work with actors and understand what they're going through as much as possible and i don't you know i'm still learning anyway it's i think one of the things i'd say about the harsh light day your performance and mine aside is that it's one of the best examples that i know of essentially what it is that we're talking about grassroots filmmaking at the low stroke, no budget end where you get a bunch of people together who are good at what they do. They're passionate about it and they all share a common goal mm-hmm. and they set out to do. And we had an amazing time on that film shoot. Didn't we? we I mean, really we, did. It was incredible. It was like a three or four week uh, period of principal photography. And we, we were st- shooting in a manor house, which most of the film was set in. And I, I was fortunate enough that, because in the film it was where I lived, they let me stay in that place, and I got so immersed in the character. Yeah, and you it did. Was, yeah, it was one of my best filmmaking experiences to this day, and it was it was my first feature film. And it Isn't was that weird? How it's always your, your first one, like my first 
film that I made, Barry Brown, is to me the best experience. It might not be the best film, but it was the best experience. Um, you had that with this as your first lead in a feature film. Andy, was your first the same? No. <laughs> I don't, I don't this is an, an honest podcast. It's, yeah, we've killed That's it. something people can never take away from us. This, in this podcast, you get honesty. Really? I mean, I, not, not as a DP, because you, you don't start as a DP. I mean, some people do, but you, you don't, you don't mm. go in day one. Yeah, if you're an actor, you, you could conceivably get a role and then you're an actor. True. But if you're a DP, you work up from a runner to a camera assistant to, a, you know, all the way through. Yeah. So, um, no, it's, it's more of a bold frogs thing, I think, than... Um, a boiled like a frogs sudden. thing. Yeah, you know that thing about... Uh, Mate, just don't forget I'm a vegan, yeah? Yeah, me too. Yeah, where's well, the expression, this. right? That's just going to terrify you guys. And it's what I mean is it's it's something you don't notice because it 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 kind of jumps up on you. It's it's a gradual progression rather than well, a boiled frog jumps up on you. I'm confused by this. Um, <laughs> this oh, phrase. He's talking okay, from the frog's perspective. Like, let's forget you're, about you're the frog. The frog in I feel a boiling, like we're going off. Topic. And it's only getting ah. hot slowly. Initially, you're thinking, oh, it's cold. And then you go, it's getting it. there. <laughs> it's it. warming up. And then you go, oh, Dan's got it. Hot. I've and never, the next thing you know, you're a boiled frog. I've never heard yeah. this. You've not heard this expression? No. Oh, now you have. Dan's heard it. Always right. worked it Do out. Do you know what a frog is? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what a boil is? <laughs> Put the yeah, two together. A boiled frog Wait. is a frog covered in boils. All right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just an ill frog. Um, and, that's, and, that, and that essentially is <laughs> it's filmmaking in a nutshell. True. Who's your favourite cinematographer, Dan? What, part from you? you? ever worked with? No, just, just say me. It's this guy who's he he goes by the name of thirty five mil DOP. Mm. Yeah, he sounds shit. Do, yeah. do you have much relationship with the DP? Or yeah, I mean, it's in, yeah. In, in, in yeah, absolutely. Certainly on the indie level, where you've got a DOP who's either uh, uh, in some cases I've experienced DOPs who have to take the reins essentially because the director's out of his depth, or just where you where you understand. I, I, I try to build a relationship with DOP because, mm. you know, going back to that thing I said about when you understand the disciplines, in, especially that, you understand how you can help. You know, at certain levels, it's not necessary, but just in terms of being, I guess what it means, what I mean is being more accommodating and more quickly able to provide what they want. When you realize what the problem is that they're having, if you're able to just make a tiny shift, because a lot of the time I think that people, it's very lovely, but it's not necessary in a lot of cases where they're leaving the actor alone and they're moving everything else around the actor. Yeah. Whereas I can just quite comfortably say, oh, you know what, if you want, do you want me to just cheat it slightly out? Yeah. And it solves their problem. Okay, High Sight Day, we were both brilliant. Go check that out. Where can we, actually, where can people see it? Is it like just on... I think it's still available on it? Amazon, in fact. Amazon. Emma Biggins, okay. the producer that I mentioned, she sent me a message the other day saying, are you selling special editions of The Harsh Light Day. There's someone on Amazon selling under the name Dan Richardson and they got The Harsh Light Day for $53. And it's not Serious? me. Yeah, I don't know who it is, but it's not me. What's so special about this edition? Nothing. It's, <laughs> I suppose they're trying $53. to make out that the special thing is that the person who's in the lead role is selling it. Please be aware, uh, that isn't me. <laughs> that isn't me. And if it was so me, weird. I wouldn't be making it 53 I'd have put it maybe like maybe forty nine ninety nine. Because <laughs> you're worth that much. So if anyone did, please go on this guy's Amazon site, wherever the hell that he is, and go tell him to go jump off a cliff. And this isn't real. If everyone jumps on his site and writes that, then yeah, why should he make money from this? It's not fair. 
filmmakers out there should be making the money from this, not you. Especially Oliver and Emma, who put all the work in and did all the hard work there. Yeah. Um, that's not fair. No. So, yeah, help support filmmakers. Support indie film. Hashtag. Support indie film. Oh, by the way, we're part... part um, yeah. <laughs> by the way, we're part of the Brit pod scene, which is basically uh, a load of cool... British podcasts um, are in this really cool group, and we're part of that. So do check out British um, Pod Scene um, for some other really brilliant podcasts. Uh, aren't as brilliant as ours, obviously. There's nothing out there that is, mate. I mean, it's just, and they know it. Oh, I'm tired today. I was so tired earlier. Um, anyway, who cares? Who gives a shit? I'm tired. Yeah, who cares, mate? Actually, fuck this. Good night. It's the only reason I'm here. Yeah, exactly. I dare you to so make you that went... the ending. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I kind of want to move on to Benchmark because Benchmark is where you, you know, you became a producer, you were, were going to co-direct it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's an interesting leap for you becoming that producer. I mean, you kind of produce stuff all the time, generally in life, in your life, what you do with the dogs and what you do with yeah. animal welfare, which we'll come on to. That's all producing. But yeah. for this, you were actually producing a film um, and acting in it. Just talk us a little bit about Benchmark. It was the first time I'd finished writing something. And and I tell you, the best piece of advice I ever got about writing was from my, my, my very dear friend, Andrea Burke, who deserves credit for this. Andrea Thompson Burke, I should say. She said, just write. She said, just sit down and write. She said, if you've got... Because mm. the problem I have with writing is I, 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 if I wait for inspiration, I'll be waiting forever. I'll never write anything. Yeah, 100%. And I wish 100%. I could just, I wish I could just switch it on. And and ha- and just decide right. I'm going to spend the next three hours writing, and then just come up with some stuff. But well, it's like a muscle, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. like you suddenly want um, guns, and you're like, well, you can't just do a couple of weights and expect your guns to be massive. No, you've got to keep building it and building it. And writing is the same thing. It's uh, yes, totally, you've totally. Got to build up your muscle, your screenwriting muscle. Yeah. So, but anyway, you you've found this one. Well, she quite- said right. She said right. And even if you if you if you're sitting there thinking I've got nothing to say, I've got nothing I want to write, and you just write anything. Mm-hmm. She said it usually leads to something. And I sat yeah. down with that in mind and I started to write and I came up with Benchmark and I, and I wrote it in the course of a day. And I tweaked it right. a couple of times, but I was perfectly happy with it. And then I cast, obviously, Lauren in the lead role and myself opposite her. And I played, got Victor Patak, who I'd worked with before, who's mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful actor, a wonderful guy. He came along and joined forces. You, of course, came along and helped me produce it. Mm-hmm. And you shot some behind the scenes footage for us. And we had a thoroughly wonderful shoot in one day on the, I can't remember the name of the hill, really steep hill on in Bristol. And yeah. it was the day of the eclipse. So we actually had a schedule for about a 12-hour shoot day. And we got about six because we lost the first half of the day <laughs> to the thousands of people that were there to see the, the solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, the unforeseen challenges. And, and we still got it done, which was, says an awful lot for our incredible DOP and director, who was initially going to just be the co-director with me was Paul Dubridge, who yeah. no doubt we'll have on the show one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he just, he just absolutely nailed it. He, he rattled through it and we got it done. And it's, it's a great looking little short film, which I was really pleased with. And it was just my first ever absolute A to Z. It, it's, I don't, what, what, the reason I did it is because I wanted to take an idea in my mind that literally started as a seed. In fact, nothing, because as I say, I just sat down with no real, clear idea of what to write but then with Lauren's help in terms of the character and then with Andrew's help in terms of just start writing yeah. sat down in the garden started writing and later that day I had benchmark 
Amazing. And it's I wanted to take it from that to like a that. finished thing on screen. It is yeah. great when it works like that because it makes you, it just reinforces the sense of you can do it if you want to. The, the, key, the difference between people who make films and don't make films is they get off their ass and do it. It's not that they can't, yeah. it's that they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so what true. happened with Retribution as well. That's where, you know, Bish and Danny that did Retribution, that co-directed it, co-produced it. They, you know, they they made that happen with a feature film, and that's a feature film that's now got distribution. It's now out on Amazon in the US. Amazing! It's yeah distributed in Japan, South Korea, New Zealand, United Arab Emirates, and that was a bunch of guys who spent two years shooting a film at yeah. weekends. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. So we'll boom, come. We'll, you know, we'll come on to that in a second. Do it. Let's just jump back a little bit onto to Taken, actually, which is the film that I directed you in. It's a short film that has actually done really well it's won loads of awards but i think the same thing what you were saying there about just sit down and write i knew i wanted to write a short film i was like i'm gonna do this short film i know who i want in it um and i i, I was there and i could i got writer's block i couldn't get a good ending with a short film you have to, it has to be a strong ending you have to have your sort of beginning middle and end and it has to all tie up nicely in a seven to ten minute sort of film really you can go longer but um and I suddenly got stuck. I didn't have a good enough ending. And it, I think it took me three days. I think I was just sat there staring into my garden, knowing I was shooting it in the garden. And then it just hit me. And as soon as it hit me, I was like, boom, that's it. Good. This is the ending. It was a lovely little twist. It works really well. And I wrote it really quickly because of that. I'll put but all the links to all these short films into, into the bottom of the, the iTunes SoundCloud yeah. write-up, wherever it is, so you can click on them and have a watch. If you feel like it. Um, so, okay. So you, you, now you're getting a, a momentum for yourself. You're building up as an actor. You're doing well. Um, Harsh Light Days eventually comes out. It takes a while because it's a low budget. It takes a long time, but it does. Suddenly you're now, you're doing, you're doing well. There's work coming in for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, the next thing that came for you was, I suppose, Kill Kane and no retribution first. Would have been retribution. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, and that yeah. was off the back of what, what I think is always really, really important is to keep on doing any work. You know, obviously, you've got to do your due, due diligence in terms of the, the role being right for you, the quality of the work and everything else. And But in terms of, you know, whether it's you, you want to give back every year or two and do something that's, a, you know, a, a student production or whether it's, um, it's a, a short film. And mm-hmm. because, you know, it's easy to think, once you've done a few shorts, you just want to stick with features. But actually, there's some amazing opportunities in short film to work with amazing people. And this is a great example of it. Uh, this is when I first met uh, Dave Bisfam, who <clears throat> he cast me opposite Hugh Quashy in his short film, The Meeting, mm. which is a film great we intend short. to make into a feature, by the way. And um, yeah. But, you know, from doing that, he, he and then subsequently his co-director, Danny Elbury, asked me to play the lead in Retribution, which is a film that I kind of was able to help shape in terms of the, the story and the writing. And because it, it was kind of, it was forming organically as we went through the process rather than it being a script. We didn't ever have a script in our hand of that film. You know, we just, wow, we had a really? storyline. No, we never had a script. And what we would do is we would, we would know where the story had to go and we'd know where, where a scene would have to go in and out. And we would, with the intent of shooting that scene or a set of scenes in a, in a given weekend, as was most often the mm. case, we would, we would then write that scene and, and we would let that scene play out. And what that, 
gave us the luxury of doing. Now, this is by no means orthodox, of course, and most films won't, wouldn't have that ability. Um, sure. And it was by by virtue of the fact that it was such a low-budget film for a group of people who were readily available for a period of time. Because, you know, I wasn't on, you know, a schedule of, of doing three movies a year, and I had to have, you know, different appearance for each of them. So over the period, we we would get together and shoot scenes and, and let the, the story write itself to an extent. You know, we had our idea, we had our structure, the story had its backbone, but we let it take a direction that it would t- organically take because of what we shot that day. And <clears throat> and that was amazing. And we got some amazing people in. Hugh again played a, a role in it. And, and Amanda Meeling came and played a role for us. And they are absolutely epic. The two of them are just brilliant. And they add so much quality to any production. And, of course, I, I was playing opposite uh, my good friend and wonderful actor, Jengis Derbis, who played a chilling role in it mr gallo and 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 he did a damn good job of that and so you know we we just had a really fantastic time putting that together it was as i say far far from orthodox but we had a right laugh doing it it was tough at times we had a we had a really good time yeah give us a little uh lowdown on retribution for those who don't know retribution follows the story of a of a of a guy and he's no good guy i play i play this uh this chap who uh He's an anti-hero, if you like, in the sense that he's mm. he's not a nice man himself, but he's the lesser of many evils. So he works for a criminal gang, but he has mm. basically found out that an attack has taken place on his daughter, and he's out to avenge that for the people. Yes. And she's, he's out to get the people responsible, who just so happen to be members of the crime gang that he works for. And it, so it becomes a game of cat and mouse kind of thing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom and gift mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So how do you approach playing roles like that? Because, you know, you're a very nice, affable guy. And yet you've, you know, you've got to tap into this darker side. How do you make it work for you? For me, you know, it is, it is a challenge, actually. But I do like a stretch. I really do like to play the extremes. Mm. And 
and you know, I just try to get into a really dark place and everyone has their methods, I guess. Everyone has their little tricks up their sleeve. And one of the things I'll give you a little, a little snippet of, of one example, because it's not, not so much giving a secret away. Cause one of the things they say, of course, is don't give your secrets away because it kind of dilutes the power of it and the magic of it. Mm. But the scene in the, in the harsh light of day when I'm tied to the chair and they're trying to kill me, but they can't cause I'm a vampire. Yep. One of the things that I, remember thinking during that scene was and this is this this is where i can integrate parts of my real life my real my real genuine true organic feelings was i i put myself in the position of an animal because that's what we do to animals all the time so my love of animals yeah. really helps because i find captivity to be an absolutely deplorable thing and Indeed. so i suddenly put myself into the into the mindset of 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 an animal that had just found itself trapped by these people and was has has been tied down and was was basically at their mercy completely at their mercy so i and i haven't ever fortunately had a human experience of that nature so, so i you know i have to i have to try and pretend and I, so i went into the mindset i tried to be in the mindset of a an animal who hasn't got the benefit of, of being able to plead with them or to understand what they're saying to understand what's going on i just tried to be mm. utterly confused and devastated by the situation that was unfolding by taking on a mindset of some of a completely different creature in that instance. And, you know, as an actor yourself, you've, you've, you've go through these exercises of you, you, you bring an animal into your performance or a color or a piece of music or whatever it may be. And that, that's just mm. one example of many. And, uh, you know, you hope that it works and go as deep as you can. I remember when I did the possession of David O'Reilly, uh, it's called the torment in the UK. I think it came out as that was a horror. And I was in this really dark place in the film. I mean, I'm seeing, creatures and monsters and i've got to keep that going and i remember three weeks of that was really hard work i'd come back home at night and i'd flat wherever four or five in the morning and just sit there in the chair and be like have these cold sweats and i'd be shaking a bit because i was in this horrible place yeah. i'd take myself away from the rest of the cast i'd sit there with music on and i'd be in this place mm. and that's that's hard to keep that going for a long period of time without going mental it's real it's, man it's, it's real i did the same yeah. thing was true of the harsh light of day after we shot the harsh light of mm. day because that was the same essentially the same experience for me it was three weeks of of living in a really dark place and, it's, right. and and I and I remember I, I started to wake up in the mornings with that, that sort of sense of anxiety when something's wrong mm -hmm. in your life, and I have to sort of make that bridge between the subconscious and the conscious, and think, hang on, why am I feeling like this? And then I realised it wasn't me; it was the character. I was thinking from the perspective of the character. My life was great. Yeah. I was, just, and I took myself off to do a meditation retreat after the harsh light day finished filming because because I really just wanted to get some complete, you know, to purge myself of that because it was yes. it was quite a dark place to go to so 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 consistently for so many days in a row. You mm -hmm. know, to get you to convince yourself that you're depressed and to cry or to mourn the loss yeah, of someone to, or to be angry. How do you do that? How do you cry because I struggle so much with that on screen because there's loads of people around you you know there's crew members yeah. men and women all stood around you all looking at you the camera's on yeah. everyone says action and you've got to cry you've got to turn it on that's yeah. hard how it's do you hard. go about something like i'll that? tell you how i go about it is with the help of the crew that's how i go mm -hmm. about it because because i need to have this so so you know i think you said this in the context of when we talked about you as a director that you're creating the optimum environment for your actors to deliver the best performance they can mm -hmm. best example i can give you of, of when i did this was i did a i did a and this was a student film in san jose california and i was playing a 
of the role of a father. And in in the film, I my daughter is killed in a car accident. So I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna take the sheet off what would be her corpse, but it's gonna be the camera, and I'm gonna <sighs> see that it's her and start to cry. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, the only way I'm gonna be able to do that is is by getting myself to a place where I'm crying and I'm just mm-hmm. holding it back as much as possible, and then uh-huh. and I can let it go when I pull the sheet off the camera. But if I would not be capable of doing that if people were mucking about, if it was a normal film set, which of yes. course we love and yes. it's great fun. And the, the biggest compliment I can pay to these guys was I walked onto the set that day and this is the scene we were shooting. And I was, I have been in situations before, not because of people being amateur, but because of people just not having experienced it before where I've had to say, I've had to request a, a very quiet set. And, and I hate to have to do that because it makes you seem like you're overblowing it and being a bit of a mm. prima donna. But it's not that. It's that no. I have to have really quiet time. I listen to some very powerful music. I get yep. myself somehow into with with imagining either beautiful things or awful things, whatever brings tears. And I need half an hour. You know, I'm not one of those actors who can just turn it on. I can't no. just switch on the tears. And and I don't mind that because it's authentic. If you're only with me. You're only going to get real tears that are coming from a real place because I can't mm. just switch it on. It's not on tap. But I can't get to that place unless I've got a bubble in that period of time for the for the preparation. I have to be in a bubble where I'm not hearing people having a laugh mucking about. I'm yeah. not being distracted. Yeah, it, it, it totally. To be, it ruins it, doesn't it? It has to be like that. Yeah, same on the possession of David O'Reilly. I had a brilliant first AD. Ollie Robinson's director was great too. But Ollie Robinson would just say, Giles, how long do you need for this scene? He'd know that I'd have to get to a place. And he'd yeah. just say, cool, all right. And then you go and sit in your corner. And then only when I was ready... When all the crew were ready, when everyone was in position, would he go, Charles, come yeah. come to set now, when yeah. you're ready. But that was like so supportive. Everyone was it's so amazing. supportive. When it's you have amazing. a crew like that, it's uh, people giving you a round of applause, people really there for the film. Yeah. Then that's what it's about, I think. And this is what we always say about film sets. If you've got the right actors and the right crew, you can create something magical, even with a little time. Even with no money, you you can do it. You yeah. really can. Totally. Um, so, Dan, you've been talking about... Um, the features you've been working on how how different is the lodge to work on as a as a set yeah the lodge wow i mean there's lots of parallels obviously there's there's overlap with you know there's no in many ways there's no difference working on a feature film or working on a tv series as, as far as when you're on set you know mm. but the i have to say i mean what a privilege it is to work on on the disney sh- tv show and zodiac the production company I mean, what a bunch of professionals and every single one of them, you know, where you talk about getting a good crew and good actors together. Yeah. They've either put an awful lot of time and effort into it, or they are the luckiest bunch of people in the world. And I think it's likely the former. They, they are just such a wonderful team of people and you can't help but enjoy it. And and, I mean, make no mistake. There's long hours. It's a, it's a hard graft at times for, the, not for me because my, my role is, is more, um, you know, peripheral, but for the, for the youngsters who are the leads in the show, yes. you, you never see anything other than good natured, good humored professionalism and willingness and fun. And it's just a pleasure from beginning to end. It's a three month shoot. Mike, I am mm-hmm. so lucky with my, my role on that show because he's a fun role to play. I get to, I play the antagonist, you know, the kids, He's, he's the threat to the lodge. He's the kids sort of love to hate him kind of thing. And it's, um, 
it's really funny, you know, when I saw, I was at a, an event earlier today and there were some Lodge fans who their, their attitude towards me is hilarious because they kind of yeah. see me as this looming threat and they're not sure what to make of me because I might be really they mean in real life you. too. They yeah. want to spit and kick. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but it's really lovely. And, and so I, but also from a logistical point of view, I just, you know, I fly in for a week and do mm. some scenes. And then I fly. Why'd you shoot it? It's shot in Northern Ireland. It's 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 shot just okay. outside Belfast. That's where the vast majority of the crew come from, and they're fantastic. They're, they're, you couldn't ask for a nicer bunch of people. And um, so, what is it? Are they just very organised? Is everything on time? Is is it? What's what's great about this? I mean, it's, you know, this uh, for stuff. me, it's more, more than anything. It's the attitude. Because look, you know, I, I mean, with the best will in the world every single production I've ever worked on has some detail that slips through the net or some delay that happens. Mm -hmm. And and, and often it's not obviously through any fault of their own. The weather, for example, when you're filming with Disney in a Disney TV show, there's always blue sky and white clouds. So if there's nothing, and in Northern Ireland from February to May, (laughs) you're not going to get that every single time. Sure. So do they go up in aeroplanes and spray the clouds and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Royal family S. Huge fans yeah. up into the sky and blow the clouds yeah. away. But, you know, this is where the DOPs work their magic. They can make it look a lot brighter, even if it's mm. kind of grey and cold. But, but you know, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating to an extent, but they do, it, it is that kind of sense of Disney's endless summer. It's not supposed to be cold. And mark my words, it is sometimes cold. But there's always mm. people there with big, warm coats and hot water bottles and warm drinks and it's all this big team it's just a such a team effort and so yeah it's it is very structured and it is very efficient and it, as you'd expect because these people are yes. some of the very best at what they do but it's but it's more than that because i've worked on on less disciplined and less structured sets but as long as the people are cool you can forgive an awful lot so for mm. me in the disney show um it's not. It's not a. I'm not going to pretend it's a stretch because it's not. But it is. It is a. It is a task. It is a task. You know. You got to. You want to make sure that you're. You, you all of the. You know all of the the usual things that you apply to a scene, in terms of moment before and your intentions and, and everything else. You want to make sure you've done the work. Otherwise, it's just not going to be believable. And I don't think that kids are any less, uh, or any more forgiving. I should say than than any other audience. If they don't believe it then the show i don't think would be as successful and that says a lot for the youngsters that are the leads in the show because they do a cracking yeah. job all of them yeah it does and it's very important um all right let's let's go on to sort of your animal work because you, you've just picked up olive from romania um your, that's, your beautiful that's dog by the way dog yeah oh yeah it's not just some girl from romania not a hooker. Your, yeah her name wasn't olive yeah which is a, it's just a funny name for a hooker yeah. um so look, talk us through this. This is just such a lovely story of what you've been doing, uh, not only with the kayaking that we've been talking about and the cycling challenge to raise money for the Romanian mm. dogs. Not only that, but then you went back to Romania and you picked up a, a dog yourself. You know, uh, and by the by the way, this, I've got sorry, I've, this the, the video you made. What's it? Forty seven k views now. The video yeah, you made when yeah. you first met Olive. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah, those incredible, are and it's a beautiful yeah. video. It's Thank so beautiful. You, Go on Dan's Facebook page and watch this video of Dan when he first meets Olive. It'll bring tears to your eyes. It's fantastic. Thank you, man. I mean, if anyone is going to my Facebook page, just to make your life easy, it was Monday the eighteenth of September. He's got a lot of posts, so because I've done a load <laughs> of videos, videos, I've done a video log of, of coming back from mm. Romania because I've been on a road trip. I got back yesterday, and um, so last Saturday Amazing. I got in my car and I drove. 
1,600 miles over the, a couple of days to Bucharest. I got there on Monday evening, mm-hmm. Monday the 18th, which is when the video took place because it's a live broadcast I did and mm-hmm. um, met little Olive, burst into tears. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, Indeed you did. And then I've driven her back over the last uh, five days and she's now home and she's incredible. She's a sweet, we just went to the Chiswick Dog Show today, and I was there with um, with the very wonderful Sophie Simnett, who plays Sky in the Lodge. Right. Who who is uh, now has uh, is essentially um, Olive's the dog's uh, adopted mother. She's not because Olive lives with us, but Sophie was absolutely lovely with her and took her for the whole day and uh, was walking around meeting little f- fans of the lodge with Olive, and it was just absolutely incredible oh. and Olive's meeting hundreds of dogs in one day and it must be absolutely overwhelming but she was as good as gold mm-hmm. and now she's right. uh, she's come home passed out because she's a sleepy little puppy and she's she's incredible so while you're all here to listen to um, a podcast about filmmaking I will just say <laughs> adopts don't shop yes I 100% agree with that same with our dog we, we, we adopted her um, uh, yeah please don't get from a shop so what's next for you? What's next? Uh, obviously, we, me and you have talked about doing a film about animal sort of uh, yeah. rights and uh, and supporting rhinos and stuff. But what is actually next? What are you doing? Well, on the 7th of October, I'm yeah. doing two things. It's quite a big day, actually. It's a big day for elephants and rhinos. Yes. So in London, there's a silent protest, which I'm comparing. Well, well you don't have to do much. I'm going to be silent. <laughs> yeah. so, you got, so yeah. ladies and gentlemen i'm going to introduce dan for you for the silent protest and then dan brilliant mate how much you getting for that add, <laughs> add cricket noises at this point um so um i'm so we've got they've got some amazing speakers there uh including uh will travers from the born free foundation and uh rory young who's a anti-poaching the head of anti-poaching in Mali. I mean, this guy has bullets flying past his ears. It's incredible. And anyway, I'm I'm introducing. I'm doing a little speech myself and introducing those speakers. And then that evening, I'm hosting mm-hmm. a, a screening of an amazing documentary called Gods in Shackles, which is a yes. film that covers, it exposes the the exploitation and cruelty faced by elephants in India that are used for religious and cultural festivals. And the filmmaker Sangeeta Iyer will be obviously in attendance for the screening, but she'll also be at the, the, um, she's also a speaker at the silent protest. Sounds silly saying that, doesn't it? But it's true. Um, cause there are, there's a silent protest and then there's speeches, but good, the, good. Not at the same time, but it's at the Royal Geographical Society and tickets are available via, uh, Eventbrite. So if you just go to Eventbrite and search for gods in shackles, you'll find it. It's there for the evening of the 7th of October at the Royal Geographical Society. We'd love to see you there. And it will be quite an incredible evening with lots of, um, actors and and uh, presenters from the world of uh, film, TV, and and, and uh, wildlife and conservation. Magic! I will be there. I am very much looking forward to it. I can't wait. Thank you. Can't wait to see you there. Cool. So, listen. Uh, do us a favor. Go to iTunes uh, and uh, subscribe and give us a nice rating and uh, a review. We do really appreciate that. We really do. It makes the world a difference to us, doesn't it? it? Actually, does. Dan, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at. D-A-N-7-1-O-T-H-S. Uh, so I'm a 35mm DOP everywhere, so 35mm DOP on Insta and uh, Twitter. And uh, MySpace and uh, friends 
zone. Friends reunited. Friends <laughs> reunited. Friends, yeah. 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 Oh, what and Netscape Navigator. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod. You can follow me at Giles Olsen. You can follow the Dare Movie at Dare Movie. Coming up soon, we got Mark Strong. We're doing a we're doing a podcast with Mark Strong. Check that out very soon. See you guys. See you soon. Bye everyone. Bye. Peace. <laughs>